right in early this morning for Sunday school. <coughs> As always, it's a privilege to be here to stand here and teach what God has for us in His Word. Uh, we'll be continuing with prayer. Uh, just so recap. As of what we've gone over the past weeks, we've gone through what exactly prayer is and whether God will hear our, pray hear our prayer. And right now we're up to how should I pray? How should I pray? Last week we left off on do not pray by repeating empty words or vain, vain words. And today we'll be continuing how should I pray and uh, finishing it off with a couple more points. Starting with come to God with a respectful attitude. But before we get any further, we'll Open up in a word of prayer. Let's bow and close eyes in prayer. Lord, we thank you for bringing us here, Lord, this morning, Lord. Thank you for this beautiful weather you've given us as well, Lord. We pray, Lord, that you'll be with us, Lord, uh, this morning and this afternoon, Lord, as we uh, dissect your word, Lord. And uh, we pray, Lord, that you'll help, uh, help us, Lord, to learn something, Lord, and to grab something new uh, that you've given us, Lord, uh, this morning, Lord, or to be reminded of something, Lord. We pray, Lord, that uh, you'll be the one, Lord, uh, your word spoken, Lord, uh, this morning. services, Lord, and be with the speakers that come as well, Lord, forgive us our sins. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, <clears throat> as always, we'll be talking about prayer. Prayer, and uh, we'll start off with, come to God with a respectful attitude when we're praying. Come to God with a respectful attitude. We, uh, we talked uh, last week about coming to God as a father. And we talked about coming to God as a father. I told you that, so then, you can see God as a familiar, uh, as a familiar bond. We can come to him any time in that sense, but we do come to him as a father. But we have to remember that God is a king. God is a king, yep. and uh, he is a, a ruler. He is a, a sovereign ruler. So we have to come with a level of respect. If you open up with me to our first verse, Matthew chapter six, verse nine. Matthew chapter six, verse nine, and we'll be in this chapter for pretty much the whole entire. Message, <clears throat> Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. Here we see the context. The Lord Jesus Christ teaching uh, his disciples, but also the public, how to, how to pray. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. After this manner, therefore pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. <coughs> Sorry. Hallowed be thy name. We see that, that the Lord... Even in prayer, he gives us respects and he gives us reverence to God. And that last uh, part of the text, hallowed be thy name. Hallowed, saying hallowed be thy name, it gives respect. It, it exalts God. And that's how we should be in our prayer. Now, in order to give respect to God, we must first have humility. We must first have humility. In James chapter 4 verse 10. James chapter 4 verse 10. <clears throat> the answer to 4 verse 10 reads Speak not evil of one another He that speaketh evil of his brother And judges his brother speaketh evil of the law Oh sorry 11 Oh 10 Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord And he shall lift you up Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. It is much easier for us to exalt God if we abase ourselves. It is much easier to, to lift him up if we have recognized 
his superiority and humble ourselves accordingly. Yeah. So firstly, we, in order to respect, we have to humble our, ourselves. Come to God with a certain level of humility, more so than if you were to, to meet the Prime Minister, more so than if you were to meet someone in uh, high authority in this world. With greater respect and with greater humility, do we come to God in, in prayer. <clears throat> if we look at Luke chapter 18, Luke chapter 18, Luke chapter 18, verse 11 to 14. Verse 11, the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as the other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week, I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Verse 14, I tell you, this man went down his house, went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Here we see once again a, an example that God uses using the Pharisees. And as you see there, if we look at the prayer of the Pharisee, we see that he always leads with I. I thank thee that I am not as other men are. Sources and just I fast twice in a week. I give uh, this. This begins to ring uh, in the same way uh, that the Satan felt. It's all about I, I, I. There's, you see a sense of pride. You see him exalting himself in his prayer. <clears throat> you see because he does not have humility, he doesn't come to God in a humble heart. It, it, it's very hard for the Pharisee to respect God because he is not first humble. If we look at the other case, <clears throat> we look at the publican. The publican would not lift up, lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. You see him, he is able to give reverence, and that he is not even able to, to look up into the heavens. He's able to give respect much easier because he is first humble. First humble. So when we pray, when we pray, we have to give God respect, but it's so much easier to give him respect if we come in. Humility. Right. So come in humility. Next here we see <clears throat> desire God's will in your life. Want what God wants. If you come with me, Matthew chapter 6, verse 10. Back to our main passage. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 6, verse 10. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. <clears throat> We have to desire what God has for us in our life, and there's when we when we pray, there's a uh, there's there's things that uh, uh, God has uh, when it comes to will. We have a there's a collective will. Uh, God has a will for our church. He has a will for your family. He has a will for maybe your maybe a group that you have for perhaps it's a Bible study. And God has a will for you as a as a collective. But when we pray, God also has a will for you as an individual. Now, as a collective. Uh, God's will is all the same for each and every one of us as a church. Whether it's growing or going out and preaching the word, it's the same. But as an individual, it's different. It differs from person to person. Uh, 
what God has in store for me isn't the same as what God has in store for you, or for Matt, or for Boko, or for Adrian. Every one of us are different. And because of that, because God has uh, something in store for us, uh, uh, each different, we have to really pray for this. <clears throat> and, and praying that, you know, it's His will. A lot of times, we might pray, uh, and uh, there's, there's a reason why God says, you know, uh, don't make vain images of Him. A lot of times, there's a verse that, that says, you know, when we were created, God made us in His image. God made us in His image. A lot of times when we begin to pray, we begin to craft God in our image. We start to pray, we start to pray and you know mold God in the way that we see fit and the way that you know that we want. As you can even see it in, in history, uh, if you if you go and if you think of of a picture of Christ, of a painting of Christ, what do you think of? You think of you know that white guy with blue eyes and you know long blonde hair. That's who we think of. But then we live in the Western world. If you go into, you know, other places, you know, they will depict God in, in, in their fashion. You know, Jesus Christ will be painted, you know, with darker skin, you know, maybe brown eyes. And if you go to another place, they'll paint it differently. Because it's human instinct to shape, you know, our lives how we want. We shape God how we want. A lot of times that's what happens. But when we pray, sometimes that can, that can creep in. You begin to pray, you know what God has in store for you, but you don't pray for it. Because you have a certain way that you want to direct your life. And when we begin to pray like that, we begin to mold God in the image that we want. Right. We begin to, to see God as just, you know, uh, uh, he, he's, he's not in control. He's not in the driver's seat of our, of our life. You know, we'll have God in the passenger seat and, you know, he can choose the music. You know, you, you can skip the song if you want, but you're the one who's, who's choosing where to go. That's how we might treat God. But we have to keep in mind, God has a will for our lives. And the thing about each and every one of us, the will is specific. When it comes to us as a person individually, there is something specific that God has in store for your life. God doesn't want you to, to live your life as a vague Christian. As a vague Christian where you, you come into church, uh, as, as Adrian said, you just come into church on Sunday and, and that's your life as a Christian. God doesn't have anything more in store for me. But if you pray, pray specifically. Pray specifically what is it that God has in store for you. <clears throat> pray specifically. So you desire what God has in store for you. <coughs> Sorry. If we turn to Psalm chapter 34 verse 19. Psalm 34 19. We see that we ask for our needs. Ask for our needs. Psalm 34, verse 19. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth them, uh, delivereth him out of them all. Ask for your needs. As a Christian, it is it is a a constant that you will uh, encounter trouble. It's 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 a uh, it's a given. A lot of times, you know, because of these prosperity churches, you know, they preach that uh, become a Christian and you know your life is sorted. Everything is good. Finance, everything is good. Your marriage, everything is good. Your family, oh, no problems. And, and that's the complete opposite of what you know the word teaches. It's not that you become a Christian and all of a sudden you know you you begin your steps to heaven. You're on your way there. You just can't wait to get the to get to the pearly gates. Such a bed of roses. But as you see there, 
What does the word say? Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Yeah. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. So in fact, it's actually the opposite. The closer you get to God, the more targeted, the more afflicted you will be. And because of that, we really need to ask for our needs. If we look there, back to our, our passage, uh, verse 11, uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 11, Give us this day our daily bread. Our daily bread. Daily. Daily we should be asking for God's provision. <clears throat> As uh, when um, Pastor Garrett, Garrett Piper was here, he talked about prayer being a sign of your dependence. A sign of your dependence, and we'll get onto that as well. But it's, it's important that, that God, that when Jesus prayed, he said daily. Daily. Right. Prayer is not a, a, a weekly weekly thing that we check in and get our, you know, get our, get our balance in. It's, it's, it's a daily endeavor. Every single day as a Christian, you live righteously you will be targeted being a christian is a it's a full-time job right, you're not yeah. a part-time worker yeah. there's no such thing as a part-time right. soldier yeah. why? why why is there no such thing as a part-time soldier what's the job of a soldier to fight the enemy does the enemy take days off no if the enemy doesn't take days off the soldiers don't take days off we're not part-time so therefore god says daily Daily we need His help. Daily we need His, his provision. Right. <clears throat> if you turn to uh, Philippians chapter 4, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Philippians. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be known unto God. Now, oh, uh, God, he, he, you might say, uh, well, he knows, uh, you know, he knows our thoughts. He knows, you know, uh, you know, uh, what we, what we feel in our hearts. He knows our emotions. He knows what we, what we need already. He knows what we need and even knows what we want and what we think we need and what we think we want. So why, why, why do we need to pray if, if, if God already knows? God knows me. He knows the amount of hairs I have on my head, or you know, the amount of hairs that are falling off. I don't know. He knows everything about us. Why does God, you know, need us to, to, to talk to Him? If you look in the verse, it says, "Let your request be made known unto God." Now, it's not. That's not to say that God isn't surprised by what you pray. He's not surprised, but He wants to have that fellowship and knowing that you are communing with God in prayer. Prayers are. It's, it's like, for example. Um, you, maybe you need something. You uh, you need something from your your parents or maybe your your sibling. But you never be, because you know you have that relationship. You have the relationship. Oh, that's my brother or sister. But you never and, and maybe they see you in trouble, but you don't ask for help. Or maybe you're in class. You're in class and you know you already failed the test and the teacher knows you failed the test, but you never ask for help. Is that the way we, we live as a Christian? God, He knows that we, we fail our test every single day, but He needs you to be putting your hand up. He needs you to be putting your hand up. God, God didn't make you as a robot where as, as, as soon as you need help, before you even ask, even if you don't want it, God's going to help you. He didn't make you as a robot. He gave you that. What are the two words we talk about? Free will. Free will. Free will is a beautiful thing, but it's also 
can get ugly because free will means you have the free will to choose God. But it also means you have the free will to reject them. Now, if we have free will, that means we can love God in a more pure form. God gives us that free will to choose whether you want to come to God or not. Right. If, if we don't have that free will, then that's, that's not love. You know, uh, let's say maybe your, your parents' marriage. Oh, unless, you know, it was arranged. But I don't think it was in it. But uh, when, when, when you go to uh, your, your, your dad or your dad went to go ask out your mom, he didn't force her to come with you. You know, if he forced your, force your mom to marry your dad, could, do we call that love? Is, is that love? That's not love. That's a, that's a crime. Okay? So if, 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 if we are forced to come to God, we have no other choice, then we, how, how do we show our love to God? God gives us a choice. And in that free will, we can show our gratitude to God. We can show that we really do enjoy His fellowship and, and prayer. So come to God. Ask for your daily needs. Let it be known unto Him. Say it to God. <clears throat> Number six, acknowledge your sins and forgive those who have sinned against you. Once again, back to our verse, uh, chapter, chapter 6, verse 12. Oh, sorry, sorry. Matthew chapter 6. Uh, Matthew chapter 27, sorry. Matthew chapter 27, verse... Sorry. Verse 51. Matthew 27. Matthew chapter 27, verse 51. Sorry. 51. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake and the rocks rent. You know, there's, there's, some, uh, there's some religions and there's some beliefs where when we go to ask for forgiveness or when you go to ask for something of God, you first go to what? Confession. Oh, confessions. Confessions. And you know you sit behind this you know this curtain, and you have the priest on the other side, and you go and you, and then you just have a little chat about you know how you've been a bad boy or you know what you've done wrong in the past week and this that and the third, and you're always talking to who are you talking to? Who's the priest? He's a man. You're talking to a man, and this man supposedly is their mediator. Well, if you look there in the verse that we just read, <clears throat> verse 51. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from top to bottom. The context of that verse is Christ has, has died on the cross and become the mediator. And in doing so, he broke this veil in twain. What this veil symbolized was usually only the, only, uh, the high priest on certain times, he was the only one allowed to enter into the holiest of holies. And only him could go through. What happened now that Christ has died for us, he's become a mediator, is that veil that only he could cross was twain. What I mean by twain was ripped in half. And what that symbolizes is how, is how us, we have become a royal priesthood. Now we can come to God directly. We don't have to go to the confession booth and we go and we tell, you know, you know this random uh, priest our sins. Can, can man forgive sins? Well, what happened when, the, when uh, those, those four, or four or so friends came and 
they broke the roof apart and you know they, they lowered their friend in and, and he healed them and you know Jesus said you know let your sins be forgiven and what did the people say you know how, how are you forgiving sins only God can forgive sins and what did Jesus say yeah only God can forgive sins man can't forgive sins there's no point in us going to a confession booth so and, and confessing our sins to a person who can never forgive us of our sins we don't, we don't go to man to forgive our sins. We can go directly to, to God. If you look there, uh, back to our Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. <coughs> Matthew chapter 6 verse 12. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. If you look at that second part of that verse, as we forgive our debtors, we might ask for forgiveness from God. We might ask God for forgiveness, you know, when we truly know it, we know we've, we've had an evaluation. We ask God for forgiveness, but that second part of the verse is also very important. As we forgive our debtors, do we forgive others? Are we, are we merciful upon others? Forgiveness is a thing where, you know, a lot of times we might be wrong. And we might be truly wrong, you were in the right, and that person sinned against you, but we just hold that grudge. You know, a lot of people, they hold that grudge, thinking it's hurting the, the other person. You know, I'll never forgive you. I'll never forgive you. And they do that, they say that, thinking that puts them on a pedestal against the other person. I'm never going to forgive you, and they think it hurts them. They, they, think, they think, you know, oh, I really got to be, I'm never going to forgive this person. But when in true fact, who's it hurting? It only hurts us. We're the only ones still hanging on to that, that loose thread. That other person, whether you forgive them or not, they live their life, they live joyfully. But it's only us, if, we are, if we're the one that's harboring that, that hate. So we have to forgive our, our debtors. <coughs> if you look here, uh, number seven, pray for spiritual protection and health. Pray for spiritual protection and help. Verse 13 of the same, uh, same chapter. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is where we show our true dependence. We need dependence. If you look at James chapter 4 verse 7. James chapter 4 verse 7. Verse 7 reads, Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Resist the devil and... Oh, sorry. Resist the... Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil. We need spiritual, spiritual protection. We need to be dependent on, on God. But there's always, there's always a, a precursor to, to God's blessing. If we ask for protection, if we ask for spiritual protection... We must look at verse 7. What does it say? It's, of course it says, resist the devil. And that's our goal. That's the goal of the Christian life when it comes to spiritual protection. Resist the devil. But what does it say before that? Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. So resisting the devil is not something that we all wake up on a random Tuesday and you, you're, you're strong enough to resist. No, there's, in the verse, there's something that comes beforehand and that's submission. We need to submit first to... To God. 
We're not strong enough. We're not strong enough to, to resist unless we have uh, the Lord on our, on our side. We must submit ourselves. Now submission, submitting to God, is not the same as being saved. There are plenty of saved people with stiff necks. If you just look at you know, the people of Israel, people of Israel, surely God's chosen people, but they're often described as what? Stubborn, stiff-necked people. And that's the same with us as Christians. As Christians, we can be believers, and we're so good at being believers, we're so good at being Christians on Sunday, on Wednesday, and, and you know, but we're so good at being Christians, but we never have submission. Yep. We never want to submit to God. There's yep. always, and this is something that, you know, I, you know I'll, I'll preach to you as a, as a church, but the Holy Spirit will preach to you as an individual. There's something that, uh, you know, I won't know, or maybe you won't know from the next person, but there's something in our lives that has a, a, what, a vice. We all have our own, own vices in which, you know, we, you know, we hold on tight to, and, you know, we'll, we'll serve God. We'll, we'll definitely come to church. We'll definitely come to all the choir practice. We'll come to prayer vigil. We'll come to this meeting and that meeting, and, you know, we'll come to men's meeting, and we'll smile when we come to the church. We'll greet our, our, you know, brothers and sisters. And, you know, we do all this, but we know that there's that one thing that we won't give up. You know, we, we won't drink. We won't, we won't smoke. You know, we won't go and, you know, we're, we're not on drugs. We're not on, you know, we're not addicted to, to you, know, you know, certain things. But there's definitely something that, you know, you do everything else, but you won't do this. And that's what, you know, not submitting is. Uh, you know, Adrian, he's preaching, uh, uh, you know, uh, probably for a couple weeks, uh, he's preaching on uh, youth, and one of the main points is you know social media, you know, and that's definitely what you know what one of my one of my advices was. And Adrian, he told us, uh, you know, you can go into your, your phone and you know, go check your screen time, and then so you know you, you check your screen time and then see how many you know hours you're on on social media. You know, I check, I was like, oh. You know, Javon's, Javon's next to me, it's Javon, and then Javon, and then, you know, some other kids. You know, I'm checking my screen time, so, oh, you're sitting, sitting. And then as soon as I saw my screen time, I thought, oh, you know, right? <laughs> he was like, oh, oh, oh. And you sort of get, you know, convicted. And, you know, be different for everyone else. You know, I, I doubt, you know, the older people are scrolling on Instagram for like a couple hours. But, you know, the old, even as we age, there are things that we hold on. There's a vice that we, that we just, you know, we can't let go of. And the thing is that you can't truly submit to God unless you really, you know, put yourself on that on that cross and you know mortify yourself. I, I always remember uh, Adrian's brother Andre preached a message back when we were in that uh, different building close to your older house, and he and, and he talked about you know mortifying yourself and you know it, the example he gave was a person on the, on the on the cross. You know when when you when you're on the cross you can't move anything. You're already dead. You can't move anything. If you have your nail, if you have your nail, if you have your hand, you know, stuck to the cross, you can't go up and go pick up your phone and stuff. You know, Christ isn't on the cross like this, with his eyes like this scrolling on, on Instagram. He's completely dead to himself. He's mortified himself. There's nothing he can do. He just gives himself to, to God. In the same way, we need to, to mortify ourselves if we truly want to submit. And once we have that submission, then we can claim that promise in the next part of the verse with, what does it say? Resist the devil. Resist the devil. So, <clears throat> pray for spiritual protection. Pray for spiritual protection. But we really need to submit before we can resist 
the opposition. Yeah. And lastly, here we have accept that God is in control and that He deserves all the glory. Accept that God is in control is probably the hardest thing uh, when it comes to, to prayer. Because a lot of times, you know, we pray and we pray for the perhaps right thing, we pray for the correct thing. We've done all of that, you know, that Levi's already preached on. We've, you know, we really submitted ourselves, we've really given it to God. We come to Him humbly and we pray for something and, you know, God just says no. And, you know, we might say, oh, you know, I did all this, and, you know, I, I, I did all the requirements and I prayed. And I'm praying for something good and I'm praying for something righteous. And yet God still says, uh, not now. And, you know, and when God answers like that to us, it's hard as a Christian to say and, and to think that, oh, you know what, I think God is something, you know, you know, good for me. You know, perhaps this is for the correct reason. It's so hard for us to say that because we, we think that we're doing everything correctly. If we look in <clears throat> that verse again, back to chapter 6, Matthew, Matthew chapter 6, verse 13. For thine is the kingdom and power and the glory forever. Amen. For thine. You know, <clears throat> a lot of times, perhaps you're suffering with something. Maybe you have a, a thorn on the flesh and we'll turn there. Oh, yeah, we can turn there now. Uh, sorry. Second Corinthians chapter uh, 12, verse 7. Second Corinthians. Verse 7. Oh, sorry, verse. Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 to 9. We see Paul talking, unless I should be exalted above measure, through the abundance of the revelations that was given to me, a thorn in the flesh messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Verse 8, For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that I might depart from me. Verse 9, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly therefore will I glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Here we see the context of Paul. Paul is, you know, he's, he's really a 360 with his life and he's, he's really come to God but Paul is someone who really you know he seems like he has bad luck if you know that verse you know he's always in shipwrecks and he's been beaten and he's been you know he's always being persecuted as soon as he turns to God and that's the same with us as Christians and you know he has a certain thorn in the flesh something is wrong with him you know I don't know what it is it might be something physical uh, maybe he's getting on in his ears something to do with his back maybe something spiritual something he doesn't explain, but there's something that's really that's really bothering him, and he, and, and he feels like he can't really continue to serve God properly unless God, you know, God, you know, this this thing, you know, I really need a God. And it's, is, is it a bad thing to pray that? It's not a bad thing to, to pray that. You have something wrong, perhaps physically, you know, uh, you know, your back's hurting or you got a headache. You know, you pray to God, and that's not a bad thing. And we know Paul's testimony. He, you know, you know, he, he's a man of God. He's one of the, you know. The, the good man of God in the Bible, one of the heroes in the Bible, and he's praying something and it's righteous. It's something good. It's something that will benefit him. And you know, when we look at it, it's something that will even benefit God. If, if he's in his 
best physical capabilities, it's easy for him to serve God. He can go to this place and that place and preach the word. You know, why, is, why, why doesn't God just, just heal Paul? Why doesn't he do this? What was God's answer to that? My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. There's perhaps something that you think that you've been praying to God to help you with, and you see it as a, as a weakness. But God doesn't see it as a weakness. He sees it as an opportunity for strength. A lot of times, you know, we, we begin to maybe to doubt God in our prayer. You know, God, if only you could do this, and then I could serve you better. God, if only you, you bless me with this thing, and then I could, you know, leave my family better. God, if only you could do this, and I could, you know, come to church every single, you know, service. But that's not that the that's not the way that God works. See how we 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 begin to pray like that. We're beginning to once again shape God in our image. God, if you do this, then I will do this. If you do this, then I will do this. We're sort of God giving God, you know, this these forms, and God's just reading it and then He signs. Oh, you yeah, nice con uh, terms and conditions. Uh, Levy wants this. Levy will okay, and then he'll sign. We're treating God as, you know, a new employee. Okay, God, these are your hours. These are, you know, what's required of you. These are the terms and conditions. You just sign at the bottom. That's all you do. Just sign at the bottom. That, that's how we treat God. He just signs our papers. He just gives a signature. That's not how we treat God. Right. God has a will of his own. There's, there's certain things in your life that he's given you that we might see as weakness. But it's not a weakness. It's an opportunity for God's grace to be seen in your life. It's the same thing with the, the blind man. The blind man and... It was, uh, and they're, they're going across and the disciples say, you know, Christ, you know, what sins did this guy commit? Or what sins did his parents commit and that he was made blind? You know, what, what was wrong? What, what did he do wrong? What happened there? And Christ, what did Christ say? He, he, he didn't do anything wrong. His, his parents didn't do anything, anything wrong. Their blindness was just an opportunity for, for grace to be seen in his life. And that's the same with us. We might think that God has, you know, lost control. I think that God has lost control, especially, you know, perhaps you're not looking at your own life. Perhaps you're looking out into the, the bigger picture, you're looking out into the world. You know, if God is in control, why does this happen? Why, why, why is there, you know, famine? Why is there natural disasters? Why is there hunger? Why is all this happening? You know, where is God in all of this? Where is God in all this, you know, this cancer and things like this? You know, us illnesses that can't be cured. Where's, where was God then? Where, where was God? And we, you know, we hear that a lot, you know, in debates. Know, atheists will say, you know, if, if, if God is so good, if God is in control, why is the evil? Why is the evil? And that comes back to our, our point before. We have free will. Free will. Now that free will, once again, we can choose to be better or we can choose to be worse. So we need to, to always remember God is in control. <clears throat> Romans chapter 9, uh, Proverbs chapter 19, verse 21. <coughs> Proverbs 19, 21. <clears throat> Proverbs 19, 21 reads, There are many devices in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord, that shall stand. What stands? No matter what, what stands? counsel of the Lord. No matter what. A lot of times you know, you might be you know, a little weary because you know if, if God is in control, why is there no peace? You know, there's so many wars. We hear, you turn on the news, what's the first thing you hear about? 
war. You, any time of the day, doesn't matter the hour, you turn on the news, conflict. Always conflict. There's a war in this place, there's a war in that place. There's, you know, some, something's wrong. There's a dispute here in the country, there's a dispute in another country. This country wants this thing. There's so many conflicts, so many wars, so much, you know, anger. Anger in the world, and you might say, you know, where's the peace? If God is in control, where's the peace? Well, before we ask that question, we just ask ourselves, what's peace? What is peace? Is peace no war? Is peace no no anger? Is peace is peace you know you know having a, a bright sunny day of no clouds and no one's arguing, nothing you know got you you know riled up for that day? Wow, I had a peaceful day. You know, many non-believers, if you look at it that way, have a peaceful day. Many non-believers wake up and their bank account has you know a couple million in it. And, you know, the sun is shining and there's no clouds in their life, and it never rains. You, you might look at that Christian and you say, you know, I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying. But you know, is God really in control? Because, you know, there's a non-believer and he's living a, a peaceful life. And then there's me. You know, I, I wake up and I'm, I'm stressed about this, that, and the third. And, you know, going to, I just want to, you know, better myself. I go to school and there's so many traffic. You know, there's no peace in my life, you know. And, you know, uh, a lot of times the issue isn't, you know, uh, you know, conflict in our life. The issue is Christians don't know what peace is. What is peace? Peace, as Pastor Asian, if you've been in this church long enough, peace is what? Peace is not the absence of danger, but the presence of the Lord. Peace is not being away from all the conflict. Peace is being in the heart of that conflict and knowing that you're holding the hand of the Lord. That's what peace is. Peace is, it doesn't matter, it's, it's not that there's no war and then there's peace. Peace is being in the war, it's being in the trenches, but knowing that God is on your side, that's true peace. Peace is yeah. waking up stressed about the day, not knowing what's going to happen, but the Lord is with you. Peace is, you know, uh, perhaps you come to church and there's something that you've been praying for, and you pray and you pray and you pray, and you know, God doesn't seem to be answering you, but you pray anyways, because you know God's on your side and He can hear you. That's peace. It's not being absent from danger. You see here, Paul. Paul. He has attained true peace. If you look at, uh, go back to our, our verse with Paul, <clears throat> Second Corinthians, Second Corinthians chapter twelve, verse seven to nine. <clears throat> if you look there, <clears throat> verse nine. If you look at the end of verse 9, after uh, the Lord's response, what does Paul say? Most gladly, therefore will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. That's true peace. Having the infirmities, but being glad therein. The truth is, you know, none of us are going to be perfect. None of us are going to wake up, you know, and then all of a sudden our life is just set before us. We're fine financially, we're fine physically, emotionally, spiritually, everything is good. What happens if that happens? There is no dependence on God. Some days you're going to wake up and the rain is pouring. Some days you're going to come to church and you put on your, your best suit, you put on your best dress, and you know there's a thunderstorm and you're all wet and you come in and you're looking a bit scruffy. You know? You're not going to have a, the best day every single day. But as long as the Lord is with you, what? He's in control. He's in, we, can, we can rely on that. If you turn with me 
<clears throat> Our last verse for today, Matthew chapter 19, verse 26. Matthew chapter 19, verse 26. Matthew 19, 26 reads, But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. That's another reason why we don't pray to you know, the random guy in the confession booth. Why? With men this is impossible. We don't pray to the, the priest when pastors up here. We don't pray to the pastor. Why? Because with men... It's, in, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Now, if all things are possible, what should our prayer look like? Should we pray, you know, oh, I don't know if we can really pray for a building, you know, the prices in Auckland. You know, maybe we move our church to, to Hamilton. We take over, you know, Pastor Jonah. You know, is that is that how we pray? Oh, I don't know if we can pray for, you know, I don't know if we can pray for this. We're not really at that moment in my life where, you know, I need to be praying for this. Well, I don't know if I can pray for this thing because, you know, recently something came up. I don't think it's, it fits in the schedule. I don't know if it can fit, you know, with my life right now. What are we doing when we pray like this? We begin to limit the impossible. We begin to limit God. If we pray, you know, uh, maybe you, you might think, you know, oh, this is too much of a bold prayer. Too much of a bold prayer. What did God say? If you had the faith of a mustard seed, you can move a what? A mountain. Just the faith of a mustard seed, you can move a mountain. That's how much faith we need to move a mountain. And yet, we don't even feel like praying, you know, uh, I don't know if uh, I, I can pray this for my life because uh, you know, I'm content with what I have, you know, what I have right now. I don't want to, you know, venture too far off. You know, I, I don't want to hassle God. You know, I don't want to keep knocking on His door. I might, be a, I might be annoying God, you know? God's not the same as Levi, you know? Levi, when his siblings knock on the door, oh, not again, man. You know, Kisana has his friend, and his friend's name is uh, Tepai. And the thing is, his friend, they're neighbors. And uh, Tepai, he comes every single morning. And, and the thing is, my room is like the closest to the, the front door. So I'm just, I just want to sleep. Oh, here's... And the thing is, he's comfortable with us, so sometimes he'll just start kicking the door. <laughs> I already know who it is. Uh, open the door. And, uh, oh, good morning to five. Good to see you. Yes, Hello, is Kisana here? You know Kisana. He lives. He, you know he comes. You come every day. You know he lives here. You know, and oh, man, sometimes I just you know, in the morning, yeah, I'm just here. Like, I, I'm, I, 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 I'm just asleep. I was waiting for Muffle Booga to come down. I'll open the door. Good morning, Tapai. Wow, is Kisana here? Yeah, Kisana's here again. Yeah, Kisana. As a matter of fact, this morning was it Tapai? Yeah, again. <laughs> I think it was like 7 o'clock. <coughs> 7 o'clock. When I was Tapai's age, the only time I w- I'm not waking up for anyone. I just wake up to watch cartoon. If I wake up, it's to watch the cartoon. You know, this morning, Tapai again. Tapai, I didn't, I didn't open even Muffalo's. I waited until I heard someone come down the stairs. And then I sort of opened the door, I see Mafa there. And Mafa looks at me, she's tired as well. I was like, oh, it's too bite. I'll go back to sleep. And sometimes we, we uh, you know, me, I'm so annoyed. He keeps on coming and coming and coming. Ah, it's so, so much of a hassle. But uh, that's not the same with, with God. 
we can keep knocking and knocking on God's door, He's always gonna, He's always gonna open it, open arms. You know, isn't it, isn't it amazing that Levi is not God? <laughs> oh, if Levi was God, none of your prayers are being heard. I'm sleeping. But it's amazing that God is a just, righteous, and merciful God. You knock on the door, He opens. You knock on the door, He opens. But the thing with Christians is, they're too scared to knock. There's a, you know, when, when we go and put the, the tracks in the mail, you know, we'll put the tracks in all the, the litter boxes. But if there's a dog there, and it's not the big dogs, it's the small dogs. The big dogs are nice. The small dogs, they have like short, short something syndrome, I forgot what it is, but they were so angry. You know, angry that they're small. And I see the dog and it starts barking, it's like, ah, I will knock on the door. I will knock on the door. You know, when we pray, don't pray like there's a guard dog at the front of God's door. There's nothing, nothing stopping you from prayer. He's already ripped the veil. Nothing stops you from going to God in prayer. Go to God in prayer. And when you go, knock on that door boldly. Come to, when you come to the throne, God says to come boldly. Come boldly to the throne. Knock if you're something to, to request of God. He'll answer it. Now if it's not in His will, He'll say no. But if it is, He'll say yes, or maybe not right now. In God's timing. In God's timing. So, God is... As, as, a, as, a, as a God where He makes the impossible possible. Don't be shy to knock on God's door. He's not gonna wait for someone else to come down the stairs. Answer that guy. No. God is a personal God. When you accept the Christ as your Savior, you accept Him as your personal Savior. So you don't have to wait for Matthew to, oh, I'll just sleep right now. Matthew, you pray for the church building. Matthew, pray. You, you pray for the church building. Oh, you. I'll wait for pastor to pray for the church building because he's a pastor. He's a bit closer to God. You know, when he, when pastor was a pastor, you know, that he became a bit closer to God. That's not how we pray. You don't have to wait for someone else to, to pray. You can come to, the, to uh, the throne boldly. Come to God. Come to God boldly. So, <clears throat> to recap, come to God with a respectful attitude. We have to remember this is a king. This is a God. We have to come with reverence, with respect. Both with our words. Now, when we come respectful with our words, you, you can say respectful things but mean bad intentions. I can come and you know shake Matthew's hand. Wow, it's so good to see you and smile. But in my heart, you know, you know, I hate this guy. Oh, you know, why is he so tall? No, look at him. He thinks he's cool because he's six five. You know, you know, you can say, you can come and greet his hand and shake his hand. You know, wow, nice to meet you. Smile, but in your heart, you don't give reverence to God. Now, so before you be respectful of your words, you have to have that fear and reverence in your, in your heart. Give honor to God. And we looked at, desire what God wants in your life. Desire what God wants in your life. Don't mold God. Let God mold you. And we so ask for your daily needs. Daily, daily provision. Daily provision. I can acknowledge God. I acknowledge your sins and forgive those who have sinned against you. So forgiveness and then last, oh, sorry. Pray for spiritual protection, so submission. And lastly, we saw there that God is always in, in control, no matter the circumstance. That's it for uh, Sunday school. We'll close in a word of prayer. Let's bow heads and close, up, uh, bow heads and close our eyes in prayer. Lord, we thank you for this morning, Lord. Uh, Lord, we thank you for uh, the words that you've given us, Lord, and those verses that you gave us, Lord, this morning. <coughs> Help us, Lord, to, to pray, Lord, and to have respect for you in prayer, Lord, and to pray boldly, Lord. To know that, Lord, you are God who, who can move mountains, Lord, who can, who controls the rain and controls the seas and can calm the storms, Lord. We pray that you, you, 
you have us, Lord, and help us to pray boldly, Lord, and to come to you daily, Lord, to depend to depend on you, Lord, and uh, and you uh, you solely, Lord. We pray, Lord, uh, that you be with us, Lord, and be with uh, uh, Brother Matthew, Lord, as he uh, also uh, brings a message, Lord, for divine service, Lord, and for also the preachers to come as well, Lord. We pray to be with them as well. We pray, Lord, for the activities to come, Lord. We pray that you be with us all, be with us, sons, and these, and we pray. Amen.